0: Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Bruce.
1: And I'm Josh, and we're your farm management hosts. Let's get started.
0: Josh, are you enjoying college football season here in
1: 2023? Bruce, I tell you what, Saturday with Ohio State and Maryland, after that first half, I was nervous. I was really nervous about those Buckeyes and what they were going to do. But the second half, they pulled it through. We made it through. We got Purdue next week, and then we got the big game at Penn State. They just announced a Penn State game. It starts at noon. I figured that'd be a night game. but I agree. Yeah. This football season, it's been all over the place. Teams Georgia hasn't been looking good. Michigan had their ups and downs. I don't, I don't see a team this year. It's going to be not the number one for this year.
0: Well, I think we have a great season ahead of us yet, and uh, that is one thing that we know that our farmers love to do uh, during harvest. If they get a chance to listen to a game, whether out in the field, maybe it's in their combine or their tractor. I don't know. Maybe with auto steer, they're actually actually watching the game too as well. Not just the audio, but it's a really a great experience. I know it's something our farmers uh, really and love, love to do. And it coincides, uh, Josh, today with our speaker. Our, our topic of the day is really, you know, getting a perspective of uh, the grain markets as we have started harvest here fall of 2023 uh, here in Ohio and across the Midwest. Our guest speaker today is Dr. Sinki Lee. Dr. Sinki Lee is an assistant professor of Agricultural Economics in the Department of Agricultural and and Environmental and Developmental Economics here at Ohio State University. Dr. Lee's primary interest in agriculture is in agricultural markets, especially concerning corn and soybeans. Also, Sin Key conducts research on agricultural innovation and how it interacts with market and policy. So welcome, Dr. Sinki Lee.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, Bruce, uh, Josh. Uh, it's, it's really good to see you here uh, and good to talk with you here.
1: Yeah, Sinki, we're excited to have you here. Um, As our title talks, as our title says how the grain markets are doing, give us a snapshot of what the grain market's looking like.
2: Okay, yeah, probably I think uh, I should start with uh, like how the old crop uh, supply is going. Uh, then maybe I, I can move on to the recent wasti report. So uh, it's useful to talk about like the grain stock first uh, to check how much old crop will carry in to the 2000. 2000- 23, 24 market. So actually, on September 29th, uh, the grain stocks were reported by the USDA, and the futures market reacted in a bearish way. Uh, quickly summarizing what's happened there was, um, wheat quarterly stock was about eight, uh, eight million bushels higher than the average expectation of traders. As a result, the wheat futures price has dropped by 21 cents on that day. Uh, other major commodities like corn and soybean also showed price decreases at the same time. Not particularly because of the numbers on them, but because of the wheat side shock, in my opinion. So mainly I think the spillover effect. And uh, speaking of of the uh, corn side, the old crop corn stock were uh, 1.36 billion bushels, about 1% lower than last year. Specifically, on-farm stocks increased but off farm stocks decreased 13%. Similar story was observed in soybeans. Old old crop soybean supply was estimated at 268 uh, million bushels, which was about uh, 2% below uh, than last year. On farm uh, soybean stocks increased. 14%, 14%, but all farm stocks decreased 7%. So it seems overall uh, corn and soybean old crop supply will be similar to last year, but the high on-farm stock volume can give some pressure on the storage management to, to the growers. And probably now I should talk a little more about uh, the new crops. So I, I will talk mainly based on the Washington uh, report numbers. Uh, still, we are waiting for this week's new WASDE report, but this is September WASDE report numbers. So corn yield was estimated uh, to be 173.8 uh, bushels per acre. This is the national average, which is pretty much the same as last year. Uh, total harvest was estimated around 15 billion bushels, which is 10% higher than a year ago. Soybean y- yield was estimated to be 50 bushels per acre about 1% above the last year. And the total soybean harvest was projected at 4.1 billion bushels, which is 3% lower than the previous year. At this moment, the demand side is very blurry. So given the uh, USDA's demand estimates, which seem like trend-based estimates, or even I'd say guestimates, uh, corn use is projected to be uh, 5% higher than the previous market year, while soybean use is predicted to be uh, 3% lower than the previous market year. So at the end, the, the overall the corn ending stock is predicted to be 53% higher than 22 23 market, and the soybean ending stock is predicted to be 12% lower uh, than the previous year. So as you can see, uh, these changes are mainly driven by the planted acreage shift. Um, more corn and less soybean were planted this year, as you know, as yield itself, was not much different from last year the size of planted land explains the market dynamics for now and lastly uh the season average price were predicted to be uh, 4.9 bushel, uh, dollars per bushel uh for corn and 12.9 uh, dollars per bushel uh for soybean so that is what i am seeing uh, currently there was really a quick snapshot of the market,
0: I would say. So those soybean ending stocks, Sinki, uh, Mm -hmm. if I 12% predicted decrease um, a bit, Uh, does that imply that some uh, maybe bullish prices of soybeans we may be seeing moving going forward here as we are into harvest? That part is,
2: I think many people are very cautious because even though the ending stock has gone down, uh, that was, we have to think about the dynamics. Actually, then where we were, should be explained first. So when you think about the the initial like ending stock that we had last year, or initial of the, uh, in, of this year, that is actually because of the large planted area in soybean in 2022 23 market. So first, we have to think about that is like that the anchoring effect of what he had before. And also at the same time, like I think the current harvest number itself is kind of in the ballpark, I would say but uh, still like the demand side, we need more information to say some bullish predictions with confidence. Specifically, uh, probably we will need more like international purchases and or some oil volume like demands will be needed for soybean oil as well down the road to get some get some bullish numbers for the price. So it looks like I think current price movements are all are correlated and co-moving together rather than because of one like particular issue is driving and picking up the prices of a specific commodity.
1: Yeah, and key. whenever I start looking at the markets, it's hard for me to think just, you know, out, the whole world. I always just think of just the United States, the production in the United States. What are some of the global factors that are influencing the market?
2: Oh, yeah, thanks for ra- raising that point. Um, In fact, the, the global competition and export side movement is one of the biggest concern to me uh, when looking at the demand side estimates. So when we look at the export progress in the past market year, especially in the last quarter of the 2022-23 market, we made almost like less than 1% of the export progress, which is pretty shocking for both corn and soybean. Uh, And that is mainly because of the timing of harvest by brazil even though we actually expected some like bullish movement because argentina had a severe drought during the past growing season but unfortunately argentina became a biggest one of the biggest customers for brazil crop so it looks like even like argentina couldn't make a good harvest they try to fill in the gap between their contracted demand and harvest they actually imported it from Brazil rather than purchasing it from U.S. So it's kind of all combined, strong dollars and maybe logistics. And sometimes China is also a little bit inclined to purchasing uh, more like Brazilian crops rather than U.S. crops. So that those are all kind of combined together. So at the end, as a consequence, we couldn't actually make a big progress in corn and soybean export. And I don't think that is just one time shock. Uh, It's gonna happen, likely happen again this coming year, unless there is a huge harvest shock in Brazil and Argentina together. So this competition will be like getting tougher and tougher I would say.
0: Sinki, you mentioned the new crop and there were some variations from state to state across the United States. Ohio came in with some, I think, historically big numbers for yield estimates for the 2023 crop here in Ohio. Corn and soybeans, strong numbers. What, what are those numbers and what do you see in so far expectations wise of delivering those numbers for Ohio?
2: Ohio, we actually had pretty good growing season. So ohio like based on the usda estimates uh i think th- there will be still like a room for adjustments but ohio corn yield is estimated at 195 bushels per acre which is a record level and actually the third highest uh yield in in the in the us like across the states uh following iowa and illinois and soybean as well like 58 bushels per acre was Ohio was estimated ohio soybean yield which is another record level uh, and this is also a third highest productive uh, state in the US and also like when you when you look at the like actually Ohio crop quality uh, projections it is pretty good although we had some of the just down during the past few weeks so now we are seeing like 75% of corn in Ohio are like in rated as a, as good to excellent and 70% of soybean is rated as good to excellent. So these are pretty good. It's actually comparable levels of 20, 2021, the best crop condition year for the past five years. So considering that like, good reference point, we are still like achieving very good quality of crop as well as the quantity. In terms of the harvest, I think we are locally very good supply, especially when you look at the, for, for the comparison purposes, when you look at the national uh, crop conditions they are actually heating way worse than their historic levels so almost the lowest in the past five years corn only like 53 percent of corn is rated as good to excellent in the national national like aggregate and for soybean 52 percent is rated uh, as good to excellent so this is as you can see a, a huge difference uh, from Ohio so in from the Ohio perspective I think we are pretty like good quality crops good numbers of crops, maybe now we have to worry about the demand side, I think because we have really like massive local supply. So we should also worry about the basis movement down the road.
1: So Senki where I'm from is we're really not much cropland, we've got you know, some corn, we've got soybeans here and there. But a lot of what we have is forages. we got a lot of forages in the southeastern corner and forages, we had some drought like conditions where we didn't get a lot of forages. I've also heard about the drought like conditions out near Missouri, Illinois, Nebraska. Uh, will there be any spillover effects from any of these drought conditions to the commodity market?
2: Yeah, I think so, um, certainly. So a couple of different ways could be understood uh, understood when it comes to drought impact and its spillover. First, I think given the spillover, the first shock will be the local market, of course, because the local market will be suffering from the low supply of the commodity of interest, sometimes forage, sometimes corn, or sometimes soybeans. Uh, but also at the same time, given that, then the spillover effect can happen in a different ways. First, uh, due to the logistics. So for instance, if suddenly like one region is suffering severely from drought, then that will change the demand and supply dynamics, not only that region, but also the nearby regions. So at the end, all the supply and demand uh, shifting will be changed and we will see quite a bit different territories of the market at that moment. Also, at the same time, like I want to mention this issue, uh, the water level issue. So especially during this harvest season, we are seeing, even currently, we are seeing very low water level in Mississippi River area and Ohio River area, which is the key like logistics chain for channel for Ohio, Ohio growers and many Midwest farmers. So this will be actually affecting a lot to the growers, especially like Ohio growers who had very successful harvest. So they really need to move the crop as soon as possible. And as, as I mentioned, when you look at the old crop, we already have relatively high number of on-farm storage portions. So we really have to uh, remove this to fill in the new crops in the storage. But considering this logistic issue, this will be, I think, the biggest spillover effect when it comes to the drought. So a year
0: ago, our freight rates for barges were historically high. Uh, and you've been tracking those numbers here this uh, mid to late summer. Uh, what's your take on kind of the direction that some of those uh, barge rates are looking like?
2: When you actually look at the barge rate in 2022, we had about like, above thousand uh, 1, uh points of the price index. I think that is the dollars per ton, dollars per barge. Then now we are actually like hitting above like 500 already. So it's kind of, we actually had pretty like rapid, like increasing rate along with this drought issues in the in the river system. Uh, then now good thing is a little bit stabilized. So now we are kind of anchoring around that 550 level, which is around the half of the barge rate that we had uh, in the previous year. But that doesn't mean that like we are gonna have this level of barge rate uh, down the road. It's still likely to have another like uptick in the in the next few weeks, uh, depending on how much water level we will have in the Mississippi River system.
0: Yeah. So even though we had a inch, maybe two inches of rain in parts of Ohio this week, that's not really going to in significantly increase the the water levels uh, to their really close to some historical lows again, even compared to a year ago. We're still at some pretty uh low line levels uh, across those important structural and infrastructure rivers that we have. Uh, Sinki, as we again mentioned a little bit on global issues, uh, factors that are playing into the market, uh, let's talk a little bit about Ukraine, where we are at with the war in Ukraine. And, you know, unfortunately, I think today we're going to have to mention uh, Israel, the crisis that's uh, brewing there. Can you talk a little bit about those two areas?
2: Yeah, this like, I think war situation is, I think, the biggest like uncertainty to even economists and like many people. So and of course, it's, it's miserable news. So at first, uh, war in Ukraine, I think we now is kind of the situation is a little bit complicated because they failed to reach the the grain deal, so like, officially the port is not a safe region anymore. But it looks like grain grain is anyway slowly moving, and the operation performance itself is kind of almost as same as before now. At, at least I think now. Who knows? Depending on the war situation, sometimes the the barge and ships can be attacked. Then certainly we will see some uh, supply issues again, but. At this moment, like war in Ukraine is kind of people found their way to supply the grain and operate the market with a little bit of risk, but like not as much as like blocking the, the shipments itself. When it comes to the, the situation in Israel, um, still, I think it's, it is really early phase, so hard to say something. But right after that news, actually, we could see the crude uh, oil price has gone up in the futures market pretty much 3 to 4%. And uh, that means actually, I don't think a clear chain to the grain markets at this moment, but probably once this oil price has gone up and this Middle East region's like, issue gets worse, then at the end, oil price will hit the supply chain as we have seen before and again the commodity markets are likely be affected in the futures market and eventually this futures market price will driving up some of the commodities uh, commodities prices uh, at the end that's the po- possible scenario but like still like we don't know like what will happen because it's still i think too early phase
1: Simki, is there any any historical events similar to what's happening over in the ukraine and israel that's affected the markets in the past?
2: I think that's a good question. Probably, I think when it comes to like some like, issues or like tensions happen in the Middle East, then usually like market, not green market itself, but I think markets overall, like the futures market and especially gold and all like general commodity prices has gone up. Uh, That's what happened usually. So, and currently now as well, like oil price, gold price, other matters, all has gone up in the futures market. So considering that probably, and usually like our like egg commodities are highly correlated with those price indices. So at the end we will see some like with, with some lags and with some time gaps, we will see some price changes because of that shock. That is kind of the historic, what the historic lessons
0: uh, say so can you speak to some of the policy things that we're seeing as well on our radar here as we're in the the throes of harvest uh, the new farm bill uh some importance maybe some other things that you see as important risk management strategies uh that are that are opportunities for us
2: I think the biggest policy piece uh, we should pay attention to as the, the farm bill I, I I would say so this new farm bill season and I think, it's, it's getting more and more actually ambiguous nowadays because especially the war in the Ukraine already Al- itself had some like has some pressure on the in the congressional discussion. And now even like the Israel situation is like putting uh, additional pressure. So at the end, these whole things will like affect the discussion and the farm bill budget design, because anyway, we have the limited amount of the resources. So um Nowadays, even I'm skeptical. Even if we can see a good shape of farm bill until the end of this year, so that is really some like uncertain part. Uh, but cer- certainly, I I think there will be some changes in the reference price for in the in the commodity payments programs, especially for the PLC. I don't know exactly like uh what it will be, but the climate uh, smart agriculture support will be I think a huge piece for growers. Maybe some growers will find very good support from this commodity. Uh, programs or designs uh in the new farm bill, I couldn't see like any news or specific like policy pieces for that specified in the new farm bill for the cl- climate smart agriculture yet. But certainly, I I believe there will be some like incentives uh for growers for this climate smart agriculture, especially I think carbon sequestration efforts. And speaking of the financial uh stability strategy, I would say uh this, there there are a couple of things so maybe like as we are seeing some like market backslides over the horizon i would say because based on the usda like reports and many people are expecting we are converging back to the pre covid market but not exactly exactly that level but a little bit higher than that then it might be useful to remind ourselves of the traditional wisdoms in the face of Uh, slow down in in economy. So as an individual, the best way would be to maximize financial stability, and look for markets to rebound. So it's kind of wait and see strategy. And for that purposes, maybe I want to emphasize four different items. Uh, One, number one is protect your capital. So with high interest rates, cash is becoming king again. So it's time to look at our assets we purchased over time and determine if we really need them or not. So it's kind of you have to diversify farm income and check the cash flow at the same time. Review your like family living spas- expenses and uh, renovate your farmhouses and those kind of things will be I think should be carefully considered and always try to avoid cash store shortages and uh, be very careful about any like new capture expenditures at this moment because. Considering, as you are seeing, the, the commodity prices uh, decreases, your cash flow will be shrinked uh, in the next one or two years at least. And the number the second item I, I, I want to emphasize is, the, is you have to manage the risk. So when it comes to the risk, then like manage the risk, people are kind of curious, what does it mean exactly? And I would say, uh, try to get a good estimate about your bottom line. So you have to check your fertilizer decisions, seed varieties, insurance products to buy, those kind of things will give you like what is the good bottom line and improving your bottom line uh, uh, should be paid attention. So the key idea is like how can you manage your like margin if you don't know what a good price looks like. So at least like, you have to always capture the price, giving you the positive margin. And to do that like, anyway, you need to know what is your actual price, actual cost of production. Um, It's, it's not really just what you can see and, and paid like out of your pocket itself. But in the longer term, what is the depreciation and what is other opportunity costs? Those Things all should be like taken into account, and item number three is uh, renegotiate loans. So it's kind of a little bit like, like effective way to like protect your uh, cash flow. So kind of extend your short term operation notes and preserve cash reserves and make the short term loans lo- loans longer with lower expenses, uh, because. Considering the high interest rates nowadays, this kind of effort will pay off a lot. So, and also you have to check your like growth plan. So if you are, if you were considering the firm growth and operation size changes, you have to think about how you want to actually uh, make it realized considering the cash flow changes as well. And the last item is talk with specialists like. OSU Extension educators and FSA agencies, there are many experts around it, your county offices and like your regional offices. So try to uh, get help uh, from these people like who are in the in the profession. So those are kind of all like very uh, hand baby explanation about uh, risk management and financial stability strategy,
0: I would say. That's great, Sinki. And I uh, we're looking forward to also having you part of Of the grain marketing workshop that we're having in February of 2024. Uh, This is actually going to be February 8th and 9th. This is an in-person grain marketing. This is the basics of grain marketing for those that maybe have not had a lot of experience in grain marketing yet, know some of the terminology, but they want to build that interaction of what do I go home and do locally with my local market options. And so this workshop, February 8th and 9th, uh, it's going to be at the in central Ohio. Um, if our listeners go to farmoffice.osu.edu. There's a drop down there that talks uh, that gives more information on grain marketing options, uh, and so synkey is going to be a great part of that. Uh, Josh, any take home messages and send off for our listeners today?
1: Not that I can think of. Sinkey. do you know any other issues that are on your radar that we might not have mentioned?
2: One thing still like on my radar is the U.S. Mexico like trade tension uh, is kind of being elevated. So still we are waiting the the panel decision from the NAFTA because like. Uh, Mexico. Like in early this year, they banned like white corn, uh, import from U.S. and they actually claim that like there is some safety issue in the GM crop, GM corn especially, which I don't agree. <laughs> that is, I think itself is not really a big deal. I think, but with that, if that goes badly, for instance, if the NAFTA decisions Mexico to lift up this ban, then Mexico can take two different actions. They can actually follow the, the rule or they can just like insist their claim. Then what U.S. can do is actually retaliate uh, the same amount of tariffs on Mexican products. Then at the end, this will be actually uh, getting severe uh, with some trade tension related issues. Not only white corn, but maybe corn or other soybean and uh, other commodities will be affected at the end. So then I think it's going to be a big issue. So still, I think we we need to... uh, Regularly check what's happening there. So that's actually on my radar. I don't think that is not really like a drawing a big attention from the public yet. But still, I think it's it's worth to check because Mexico is certainly like one of our like top customers in the in the global market. So actually, it is the number number one like corn purchaser and number three soybean purchaser uh, in the in the U.S. exports. So. That's one thing I wanted to highlight.
0: So Josh, back to our football startup of this episode, uh undetermined, unknown outcomes of football games, uh unknowns in, in the in the grain market arena. Uh I hope that we can enjoy fall harvest and Enjoy the markets, but I think Sinkey's take-home messages. I, I, I'm knowing your cost of production sounds like great recommendations. Knowing not just the cash cost of productions, but also the non-cash costs of productions as as we operate businesses. Uh, so, you know, as we look at the spreads and the over unders of football seasons, uh, maybe we can have a farm management plan, a grain marketing plan, as we continue in the grain harvest here in Ohio and spend our time making the best decisions we can make in grain marketing with the information that we have today about our own farms and knowing maybe what's going on around the world. Josh, you often have a great kind of wrap up. And for our listeners, would you want to put a kind of final touch on this episode for us as we pause a little bit and give you a chance to kind of record that tail end that you often do
1: similar to football games and our betting you know talk at the beginning it's always more excited to see the over in football games
0: more action
1: more points uh similar with the the corn market i hope that the corn market goes up and we get an over and everybody makes a gazillion dollars
0: Dr. Sinki Lee with Ohio State University, thank you very much for being our guest here today on the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. The next opportunity to interact with Dr. Sinki Lee virtually with OSU Extension is November 17th. That event is called Coffee and Grain Marketing with Dr. Sinki Lee, and that is following the next WASD report, the quarterly update from Dr. Lee. We look forward to that episode and that interaction. For those looking for how to engage in these resources of grain marketing with Ohio State University, go to farmoffice.osu.edu. Thanks for listening today.
1: For more information about farm management tips, be sure to check out the Farm Office at farmoffice.osu.edu.
0: Hey, podcast listeners. Just a reminder to give us a like or subscribe so you know when we release new episodes. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to leave us a review also. We appreciate the comments.